Prime customers were very valuable. And did Prime cause them to be valuable or was it correlation or causation? We don't care. Welcome to C-Lab, the customer education laboratory, where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate the myths and bad advice that stop growth dead in its tracks. I am Dave Darrington, and today we have a very special guest, Sandy Lynn, CEO and co-founder of SkillJar. Welcome, Sandy. Hello, and thanks so much for having me on the show. It's going to be fun. Thank you so much for joining us, and before we start... We have a tradition at C-Lab where we always like to say what National Day of is today. Any guesses? There's there's two. I, I hope it's National Cat Day. It's not National Cat Day. It's National Maple Syrup Day. I right. like maple syrup too. Pancakes. And it's also uh, Wright Brothers Day, which I've hmm. never heard of. Well, that's interesting. So with that, let's get going. Uh, Sandy, what, what I like to do first is just, um, uh, let me start again. Okay. All right. Well, with this episode, we're going to do something very different from our normal and previous episodes. So we're going up channel here. We're, we're talking to sea level and we're really getting into your head. We want to learn about your take on the industry and, and talk about how, in this case, you have a learning management tool that's one of the best of breeds that we have out there. Our listeners pretty much on this channel all know of Skilljar, and we all love Skilljar. Uh, it is, as you say in your website, which is a leading customer training platform for enterprises to accelerate product adoption and increase customer retention. So let's go ahead and get started. I will lead in with the questions. So Sandy, before we start getting down, down the rabbit hole and get into some really good juicy questions, um, we really want to hear about your journey. So a couple questions here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got here. Now you're the CEO of an amazing company. And then tell us like how the vision, how the product came to be. So I think like most customer education professionals, my career makes no sense to how I got here today. <laughs> so let's see, I'll work backwards. So I've been at it um, building Skilljar for, I guess, seven-ish years. Seven years. That's amazing. And and we took a few pivots early on, which we'll talk about later. Um, before this, I was leading product management teams at Amazon, where I did both B2B, B2C, physical items, digital items. I really got a good breadth of experience there across different business models. Um, before that, I got my MBA from Stanford. and. Amazing. My undergrad is actually in civil engineering, which is funny because a lot of our very early customers at Skilljar were somehow related to civil engineering and construction. Interesting. So it all comes full circle. It does. And you know, I have a science background, a STEM background as well. And it's funny how I, maybe that's kind of part and parcel of those of us who've been down that, that line of education where they're really teaching you to also kind of teach others especially when you get up to, you've gone through the MBA program, so now master's level and above, you're able to teach, and now you're here. One would think. I, <laughs> I sometimes have a question internally, are you a teacher or are you a learner? And I actually think for myself personally, I'm very much a learner. I don't think I would have the patience and 
um, skill to teach mm-hmm. a classroom, which gives me so much admiration for all the teachers of the world and all of our customers who are really teaching you know, about products and services out there. It's, it's a challenging job to say the list, least, but I mean, your product definitely helps. And well, let's go for here. One last question here. I, I, I'm really, I'm really personally curious. I, I'm always love the origin stories, right? You know, it's like a superhero thing. What was that spark? That was the moment that you said, "Let's do this thing." I mean, you said it was kind of a. You had some course corrections and such. What was it that really made you want to go down this this into this field? Gosh, I'm going to burst your bubble and Uh-oh. every uh, everyone listening as to the true origin oh, no. of Skillshare. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think it takes a certain, um, uh, how do you say this word, naivete, yeah. <laughs> naiveness to be an entrepreneur. And when Jason Stewart, my co-founder, and I left Amazon, we had no idea what we were getting into in terms of starting a company. But one of the things that we were really passionate about was using technology to connect people and to break down the barriers between um, people who needed knowledge and the people who had it. Mm -hmm. Because in today's day and age, uh, you can learn so much if you just have access to the right material and resources. And so we first started with a consumer learning site, um, really kind of like a Yelp for Mm -hmm. lifelong learning. Great product, uh, terrible business for us. <laughs> we um, quickly pivoted into a small business version of what Skillshare does today. And so it was a video-based, commerce-based learning platform for celebrity book authors mm. and fitness instructors and kind of like the $99 a month revenue model. And that business was going okay, but it wasn't going to scale to what we wanted our impact to be. And pretty much in 2015 or so, we just started getting a lot of inbound interest from companies that are just amazing um, brands, you know, Fortune 500s, many of whom are still our customers today. And, you know, we were five people in Seattle, no funding. We had this (laughs) video-based learning platform with a great, student user experience. And even then, I could not have told you what the terms LMS or customer success were. All we knew after as the months went by is that all these amazing companies were adopting Skilljar for their customers and partners and um, coming to us with requests like, gosh, there's no other learning platform that works on Chrome or has APIs or has self-registration or has this deep linking thing. And I I was like, what is deep linking for so long? And then, oh, you mean like a hyperlink, like a URL for a training course so you could send it to your user base? And all of these things were game changing for companies that were in a ton of pain from trying to adapt HR systems usually or or sending in-person instructors out and unable to scale that. So so really, you know, one of our values here at Skilljar is customer focus because this company only exists because of our customer feedback, those Mm -hmm. early customer advocates who, you know, really took a chance on us and continue to help us develop the platform into what it is today and what we hope it will be in the future. Awesome. Okay. That frames up really well. That that's <laughs> exciting. And it's really exciting to see that you have the had this journey, not just personally, but as a company. Do this, try this. It's an iterative approach. And it, and that's interesting because in, in this space, I, I remember having discussions with a bunch of people about how how many similar, I wouldn't say similar, how many products were out there for learning? 
but it's a hard ocean to navigate when there's all these obstacles and things. And in your product is one of them that I think is very clear, right? It has a clear message and a clear use, and it's easy to use. So with that, that's a great intro. Let's let's start off with some some meaty questions. Not that the last one wasn't. What I'm really interested in first is talking about the state of customer education. You know, that's not Washington or New Jersey. It's old, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, bad joke. I'm a dad. Um, <laughs> Here, here's two questions that, to unwrap in this. So, again, this is your personal view and your company view of where do you think things are today with this field that we call customer education? Again, this is kind of new, or at least I think so. And then unpacking that a little bit more, what are those first trends? What are the trends that you're seeing? Because here you are working with a whole pool of customers now, and, of course, they're informing you on a lot of stuff. So we'll start there. Yeah. So it is very cool to be in customer education and customer success. I would say when I first heard that term three or four years ago, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is a new thing that people are excited about. This is so brain dead obvious. Because remember, (laughs) I came from the Amazon world. So largely consumer based where customer obsession was a you know, front and center in every single discussion. And so it was like, okay, in the B2B world, in software, we have to have a whole movement that customers are important. Like, I do not understand this at all. And so, you know, fast forward three or four years later, and I get it. I get the industry much more than before. So um, so I think customer education is really becoming very important because of the rise of the customer. And I'm sure it's obvious to everybody listening to this podcast, but it is not a visceral, emotional concept that's in the heart of most B2B companies. And, you know, for so long, companies have gotten really good about sales Mm -hmm. and marketing, and then they provide the product and they walk away and wait for the support tickets to come in. So this idea of actually enabling and educating your customers is kind of a new muscle that a lot of software companies just haven't flexed. And the reality is products are getting more complex and they're iterating and innovating faster and faster. But the human brain only has so much capacity to adapt and figure things out on its own, especially at scale. So at the same time, retaining customers in this customer success and subscription model is more important than ever before. And actually training your customers on how to not just push button A and push button B, but actually how to get value from from that product in their business context is more important than ever before. And I always think it's a no-brainer, but it's not necessarily in the in the grand scheme of the world. So it is. Um, it's so so just playing on that. I just had the experience recently where I, I have a product that I'm trying to use and you know, I'm a manager or a team and it was a heavy data product. I'm not going to name names or anything here, but I'm kind of that person that you know, I'm a customer. I'm trying to figure this thing out and I'm trying to figure it out really fast. And my retention, my use of this product is really dependent on that first experience and a terrible first experience. And this isn't any product that you would know off the top of your head, but I go, where is the education? Where, where can I go? Like even documentation doesn't necessarily help. Mm-hmm. Right? Documentation is technical docs, right? So that's the kind of stuff that I'm really interested in hearing more from, from your perspective. Like we all think this is new, 
it's not really new. You, you were talking about like extended enterprise type learning, you know, the old school stuff. And now we say this is new because what you just said, hey, we're moving, we're iterating, we're moving at lightning speed. And that's a real frustration for a customer who just wants something. Yeah, the one I think about sometimes is um, Zappos. So, you know, Zappos, the shoe seller yeah. that Amazon acquired oh, wow. while I was there. <laughs> so buying shoes is not new. Everybody has bought shoes for centuries. But what Zappos did was put it online when there was a lot of value that consumers got from that. And so I think similarly, customer education is super, super old. Like the idea of training your users um, has been around for a long time in the services model. Um, you know, back with on-premise software, vendors would go on site, install mm -hmm. on the customer server, configure, and then train everyone and deploy and then leave. And then, of course, because we're still, you know, decades ago, those users probably would stay at that company for 40 years and then retire with a pension. That's yeah. not the world we live in anymore. No. Um, got a year, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> products are deployed in the cloud. Uh, doesn't mean that users can adopt self-service just because you can deploy it self-service. And I think tech companies have almost gone the complete opposite direction of just because I can deploy in the cloud. They've completely skipped that onboarding step. Um, and then also, I don't know if you remember Chrissy Irvine at Skilljar Connect said, you know, with three-year contracts, it's often the case where 100% of your initial users may have changed roles or changed jobs by the end of the contract. And so customer education is really an ongoing um, journey throughout an entire cycle. And you touched on something too of what is customer education and what is learning? Is it documentation? Is it long form training? Is it YouTube videos? And I think that is one of the other trends that people in the industry are grappling with. Um, how so? Like, what, what is it? Like, I know what I'm thinking, but I want, I'm curious how you frame that up. Well, when I first started going to learning conferences in the very beginning of this company, like six or seven years ago, and this may still be in the case in the mainstream, but a lot of traditional instructional design people don't consider video to be learning because it's not interactive. Mm -hmm. It's not, doesn't not follow all the principles that interactive content should but I always come back to, if you look at social media, if typing 140 characters on Twitter is now considered social, then I certainly count many forms of content consumption under the umbrella of customer education and enablement. And we're humans. We learn in different ways, multi multiple modes, multiple channels, um, all-day seminars, YouTube videos, marketing books, videos, community, in-app messages, and... I view customer education personally as tying all of these into a holistic experience. Um, and I, but I do think in the mainstream of the industry, sometimes people still turn up their noses at things as basic as video. So I think having a healthy discussion around what is learning and really not what the academic sense of learning is, but what does your customer consider mm -hmm. learning is, is the right one to have. You know, I, I, just to play on that, I, I agree with you. I, and I've, I've gone to some of those conferences and I've talked to people and actually I'm starting to see a shift. It, but one of the challenges that, that I've had, at least with hiring, has, has been, hey, I get an instructional design, I need an instructional designer. And a lot of them that come from a traditional educated background as an instructional designer, I agree. You look at a video, go, well, scoff. It's a video. <laughs> like what's that have to do with training and education? It's a fast delivery mechanism. And one of the things that I think is super valuable for us is that, yes, I can go heavy and use SCORM or I can use a gamification and I can do all these different things. You know what? 
when I start out, the first thing I want to do is get something in front of a customer. And the document doesn't cut it. Uh, a video is great. It's concise. It can be put everywhere. It's multimodal. It's fun. It should be. Um, but I like, I like what you're saying, that, that you're, you're talking about broadening that definition of what learning constitutes. I can guarantee you that if you look at the rise of marketing, not everybody in marketing has a formal degree in writing. No. There's many, <laughs> many ways to produce content that is consumable and valued by your customer. And this is not, most uh, tech companies are not, um, you know, teaching their customers or they're not struggling with teaching their customers in a formal multi-day, multi-week curriculum in traditional instructional design. So, hey, I went to school for civil engineering and you do not want me building any bridges today. <laughs> I was a chemist, the same. Uh, that's a little dangerous in my world too. Your, your bridges are going to... Well, hopefully it won't fall down, but I could blow stuff up. That's not cool. Yeah, but you do touch on an interesting point because we have noticed in our customer base that many of the sort of directors and above executives, many of them do not have um, education backgrounds and they come from the business. So I do think there is this trend or um, internal struggle in the industry about how do we evolve the discipline from largely a sort of teacher and content practice into mm -hmm. a real business function and that means thinking about questions like, you know, what is the revenue attr attributable to the function, whether that's direct or indirect, you know, the packaging into services offers and driving consumption of the content and not just putting it out. And if you build it, they will not come <laughs> or won't necessarily come. And it's that phrase again, we hear all the time. Yeah. And being able to, you know, justify and, and show the value of the, uh, of the function through business return. Just the way, you know, I don't question our marketing or sales team when, you know, they're putting out an ebook or are trying a new campaign. It's just considered something that you do. Mm -hmm. And customer education is still in some environments, you know, trying to figure out how to have that conversation. Totally. So so what are their trends? So this this is really good. That taps into like What's the ROI of what we're doing? How do you measure things? And and you can help those business, uh, you know, business-minded individuals to really understand this is the outcome of our education. How do we map that in and show not necessarily causation but correlation? Um, <laughs> so 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 what other? I think you have a couple other trends. Yeah. That can you I riff on that causation correlation thing? So we one, talk about it a lot. <laughs> one of the things that um, well, I I think similar to you and Adam, I poo-poo the entire conversation because. For example, one of the things at Amazon we knew was that Prime customers were very valuable. And did Prime cause them to be val valuable or was it correlation or causation? We don't care. It's a good thing. <laughs> Get more Prime customers. I mean, over time, we were able to you know, refine that analysis a little bit. But yeah. hey, to have customers, users engaged with learning how to use your product better, I'll take that all day long. Um, Okay, but other trends. So one thing, and keep in mind that at Skilljar, you know, most of our customers are super cutting edge. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I would say we also have early adopters that are not necessarily the cutting edge. And then we have the, the you know, the base of the market, the crossing the chasm, which we're probably not there yet as an industry. So I would say maybe not in our, you know, most passionate, activated customer base, but more in the... Um, center of the market, there is, I think, a tension between learning as a centralized function versus it being fragmented between HR, 
sometimes sales, and then customer education. And we'll see the same company go through, oh, everybody needs a centralized system. Oh, no, that won't work anymore. And uh -huh. then let's go back to a centralized system because you know some of our customers have been with us for five years. And so I just find that tension very fa fascinating because... Um, Why do you think that's there, though? I mean, you're, you're talking about... I think it's a branding issue because okay. this category is called learning management systems, mm -hmm. which, you know, at Skilljar, we struggle whether to call ourselves an LMS. But guess what? Every single person in the company is trying to learn something. So as opposed to, say, let's take CRM versus ATS. That's right. customer relationship management, like a sales force, which mm -hmm. is typically for sales contacts. And ATS stands for applicant tracking system which is a um, used on the recruiting side. Right. So nobody these days thinks anymore that recruiters should be using Salesforce to track applicants, but guess what? Their contact records with data attributes that you move through a funnel, it's the same thing. And I'm sure at some point there is a question about, well, why can't we just use the CRM for this? Because it's very similar. Or now there's a whole category of recruiting marketing software where you nurture your candidate pool, you know, drip campaigns, all of it. And maybe they struggle with the same thing. So I think LMS has a big branding problem. First, you know, in terms of the the visceral negative reaction most people feel when they like, hear the oh, term LMS. LMS. <laughs> and then also the industry has branded itself into a function which is everywhere. Yeah. And so, um, so of course, like, your IT, your procurement person is going to say, hey, um, the employees are learning, the customers are learning, the sales team is learning, our partners are learning. Why can't we just use a single learning system? So um, I think that's something that is still, uh, it's a debate that happens a lot in the industry, I think. And we see even the same company go through several cycles of it. Oh my God, I've seen just a personal story. I've, I've seen at two companies now, we've had the same problem. So back when I was at Gainsight, I think at one point we had had four different LMS tools, and they each served different functions. Some weren't used at all. Uh, and, and at Outreach, we're going through that as well, where we're uh, actually, you, you would really like this. It turns out other our internal teams are, are really glommed on and adopted Skilljar as well, and they're super excited about it. And they like the tool. It's easy to use. They're like, hey, well, let's just use this, and everybody is on the same ship, which actually creates synergies. Because now there's other material that we can surface internally. Let's say we have an internal person that's onboarding. Hey, well, you can log into the same system. You get access because you're in this group to the internal stuff and our product training, which why not? Yeah. You know, an HR uh, can use that as well if they choose to do so. So it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting journey. Yeah. Another example might be, you know, customer knowledge bases and internal wikis. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't hear a lot of companies saying, that should be the same system. <laughs> It'd be nice, but no. Partly it's because in customer education, we're still having the correlation causation debate, which when we get to the point where that's not a debate, then I think the industry is in a good place. And weirdly, I was having a discussion with one of our customer executives the other day, and they're investing heavily in customer training through Skillshare as well as their community. Ooh. And so I asked him, how do you think about the return for those two types of products? And he goes, you know, it's really weird, but for community, I just put that into the bucket of like, 
I just have to have that and I'm not trying to like quantify the return on community. But Fair. for some reason, customer training, I put into the bucket of like, oh, I need to justify this somehow. And he didn't really have a rational reason for why, but I think this is something that will continue to evolve in the industry. And it's gonna take you know, great success stories and the rise of the chief customer officer and the importance of um, customer retention and product adoption for that to continue. Um, can I add one more trend? Yeah, do it. Please do. So um, I guess, again, coming from the Amazon world, I have been shocked at how little DNA there is in the learning industry around user experience. And that's everything from number of clicks and usage of the content to just pure technical performance of particularly SCORM, I would say. So, and if you think about it historically for HR, which is how most LMSs came to be, mm -hmm. the primary business driver was compliance and your end user was forced to take training. And the it doesn't matter if it takes 10 seconds to load the file or that it requires Internet Explorer pop-ups or that it takes, you know, 10 clicks to get anywhere or it doesn't work on mobile, your user is captive. So a lot of the dialogue in the industry then became, well, how do I make this shiny little animated character or like, you know, track things with a super antiquated standard that nobody else on the web uses anymore because it's 40 years old and yeah. doesn't work on mobile devices. Uh -huh. So, um so I think like there's a lot of underemphasis of just pure web analytics and user experience things. And um, I know at Amazon, we used to say every click you lose 30% of your engagement. And like, I- That's a big, it's huge. I, I spent, and, and I know Adam has done this as well, my co-host, that we, we have come from marketing backgrounds as well. My last role at Azuqua was the, uh, the director of uh, uh, user enablement, users across all functionalities. And I was in marketing, and it was such a refreshing place to be because here I am, poor Dave, you know, living in the education world, but I'm embedded in marketing. And like you're talking about in your experience at Amazon, you're looking at numbers, you're looking at people, you're looking at kind of marketing metrics mm -hmm. and what's driving people through the experience. And, at, at you know, I was on the trajectory to you had skill jar there before we got acquired which is a good thing but I, to build up to that i was looking at web analytics you know wh how many people are going to pages i was looking at what who was going to my videos but it's all kind of a numbers game and, and it takes a lot of the marketing plays to really start to measure okay i need to go take this class how many clicks does it take if somebody goes to a tra traditional hr and and trust me i've just done this i've done this for several different things and many different companies it's infuriating well first as the admin sometimes you have to load your customer into your hr system and then invite them manually that's really awesome yeah and the you know security people love it when you do that too <laughs> it's 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 crazy but then now we're seeing people adopt systems like skilljar where it's a lot more fluid open engaging easy to use now you can still get to those compliance metrics, and, and like, like like I say, one of, this is one of those big factors that are different between different between traditional forms of education that have commonly been sourced from HR or a learning and development function to now what customer education is defined as. We're moving a lot faster. We're in, in a fast, in a quickly evolving environment, and our customers, particularly like my customers, let's talk outreach. I work with salespeople. How how much time do they want to invest watching a course? and fuddling around, fiddling around with all the little clicks and stuff when they're losing money. They're, 
money, it's money in their pocket that they have to take my class. So those are the kind of things that we're really starting to get into in this industry and pivoting, and that's that's a really great trend. Yeah, and I would say also um, some of our earliest, earliest customers, like bleeding-edge customers, they actually came to us because of technical performance. Um, I think this is not something which is really talked about in the industry, but most learning platforms, if they're in the cloud, they're still what's called single-tenant, which means it's essentially just you know, a hosted server somewhere that's highly customized to one particular customer. But our earlier customers were like, hey, it needs to perform, you know, we might have 500 people a day, we might have 5,000 people a day with we do, you know, an email blast and being able to scale up and down. Like we were built on Amazon Web Services from the start, multi-tenant, which means, you know, it's theoretically, you know, infinitely scalable. Um, don't tell Jason I said that. But, um, you know, and we worked a lot to, listen, to you know, have very fast global content delivery. Um, you know, as context, like people are shocked that we, you know, on average receive like one and a half support tickets per month per customer here. Oh, goodness. That's that's exceptional. Usually and it's like 10, you know, five between five and like 20 for a lot of standard software. Some of our... Um, customers actually had support teams that they had to fund just to deal with training tickets before moving to Skilljar because, you know, things wouldn't update appropriately or the site would be down and breaking changes would be made. And so some of the things that I think in every other function in the enterprise people take for granted in software haven't happened in the learning market yet. But we're getting there. You're blazing the trails. <laughs> yes. And I would say also, historically, since learning systems are geared towards HR, there's a disincentive to innovate because change means risk, and HR does not like risk. No, that's that's for darn sure. But, but I would say that those um, awareness training videos that I've had to look through and I've seen all the Chrome and all that stuff would have been so much more concise in a 15-minute video through SkillJar. But that's just me. <laughs> Okay, well that's that's trends. So let's let's do something let's do something else. Let's talk now a little bit more about Skilljar and you and in particular your customers. Um, so what I'm I, I, I think you have an amazing product. You know, I've I've had the good fortune to be able to use it. Thank goodness, you know, I didn't didn't in Azuko, but now we have it at Outreach and you know Adam's used it before. Well, let's talk about the folks. So we just came off of Skilljar Connect, and if for those of you who listen to our podcast or haven't listened to our podcast, we have an episode on Connect, which was really great. We break that down. That that's an event, by the way, you should attend. I'm sure Sandy, it's going to be even better next year. It was amazing this year. Um, so here's the question for you about your customers: um, What's going on in your customer base? Uh, for for example, what are the interesting things? That, that your folks are doing or questions that in hypotheses, like we need to, we like to drive down a hypothesis in C-Lab. What kind of things are your people that are using the product exploring? This is so fun. Um, Connect for me was really fun this year too because we had a lot of customers from different industries. Yeah. Our first year I felt like it was very tech heavy and it's still tech heavy, but we had a lot more representation this time from nonprofits and hardware and services and bricks and mortar. Um, and we also have different customers at different points along the maturity curve. So yeah. even customers at 
forward-thinking companies. It's their first customer ed program. And customers that are five years in and have gone through every single business model. So that was so cool to see everybody in the same room. So I would say some interesting things. One is the customer education spread outside of tech. And, you know, we probably two-thirds of our customers are in software and tech, but we have so many now that are in pharmaceuticals or hardware or consumer, bricks and mortar. And sometimes actually what you and I would consider these old school industries are way more invested in training mm -hmm. than tech. We just brought on a great customer. It's a door company. And door you're like, company. why would anybody need training for doors? It's for their installers that, you know, had to be holding on, calling support and waiting on hold for two hours, oh, good which Lord. is not, you know, what a door installer wants to be doing. And so um, some of these old school industries, they don't have a myth about self-service and they don't have a mode where they have to hyper-focus on justifying every last dollar of ROI. They're like, hey, my customer is on hold for two hours. We need to fix that. And so um, definitely seeing a lot of customer education you know, coming online that's not in tech, which is exciting. That's interesting too, because it's not just called deflection. It's customer experience. Yes. Two hours on hold. I'm not doing that. I, I just want to look at a video on YouTube, but it would be so much better if I'm a customer, I'm, I'm part of a company, and all of that stuff is right there and containered in, in a system. Mm -hmm. Hardware companies also, um, often they don't have a relationship with their end user. So they might sell to um, you know, an institution of some kind, mm -hmm. like and that institution might buy a thousand units of something. And so the vendor is like, hey, I don't actually have a relationship with the users of my product. And they see education as part of the, the big DT, digital transformation, of how do we actually engage with our end users in a way um, that builds a relationship for the long term. So another cool thing I'm seeing is customer ed education across the entire life cycle. So the predominant use case in tech is onboarding, and mm -hmm. I would say account onboarding, so probably the first 90 days that a customer is live with a product. But we are seeing more and more pre-sales, so industry enablement, academic use cases where companies are even starting to you know, launch licenses with training programs to yeah. universities. Um, and then post-sale, so advanced topics, continuous user onboarding when there are new users of a product after the initial implementation and advanced topics. Um, so that's been really cool to see. I especially love the pre-sales programs because I think customer edu education is the ultimate form of marketing. It it's is. actually delivering true value to oh. potential users of your product. And also, you know, that's an awesome way for prospects to get an experience of what the actual product and the customer success experience is like. You know, uh, I have to tell a story based on exactly this. And it, so when you just say, okay, hey, we could use education for pre-sales and it's the best tool ever, to quantify that at Gainsight, we were, we were asking all these questions. And, and the good fortune that we have with Gainsight is a, it's a really data-heavy product and it has all your telemetry about what your product is being used for by your customers. So what we had done is we integrated our learning data into Gainsight and matched that up one-to-one -one with, you know, the product data. And then we can answer questions about, for example, okay, I, this is the weirdest thing, Sandy, ever. I saw so many people who were not customers coming through our training curriculum. It was wide open. Anybody could register. And 
I, I was like, well, who are these people? So I started looking and saying, okay, I don't care about the outliers who have, you know, they're not related, they're not doing anything with product, and they have not done anything with product over time. Let's look at a section of time where these people are coming in, they're not directly mapped to an account, but then they become directly mapped to an account. So they're, they're coming, converting from a pre-sale to a sale. And then I correlated how much training did they do and did that affect a bump? And yes, you could see it. And it was a lag. It was a leading indicator like I would see here if I'm trying to show on a whiteboard here. <laughs> here at, at time, it's January. In January, I see some people coming through the system. Well, if I would go back and I could look at the opportunity log in Salesforce, for example, I could correlate them. Oh, their opportunities, their prospects. Three months out, I see another dip and I see a closed one. Right. One customer that shall remain nameless told us that education was their highest converting marketing offer, higher than trial, demo request, any of it. We need to elevate that. Yeah. Also because marketers tend to pay something like $200 per email address. So in terms of justifying ROI, if you can figure out how to tap into the marketing budget, that's that's a win for, the, for everybody, for the company right. and for the customer education function. We see a lot with this use case also in open source or kind of developer-driven technologies because they're often so new and so cutting edge, edge that there's no way for people to learn that without going to the source of whoever's in charge of that particular um, new technology. And, and also developers actually really like to learn online, so um, yeah. they don't really as much prefer to go to in-person training. So that, that's been a good match as well when we see um, industry enablement um, you know, education and a pre-sales perspective. So um, what else? Uh, we're starting to see more justification on the cost side. Now, I have always thought this was a huge opportunity. And I can tell you 99.99% of skill jar customers come to us with product adoption, mm -hmm. improving product adoption, improving customer retention, customer experience story. But pretty much like 90 to 100 80 days into implementation, they're like, wow, I don't have to travel as much. Oh, wow, <laughs> our, our support tickets are going down. Oh, wow, we've been able to save our internal headcount scaling needs by like 20 to 30%. Scaling, and so yes. we're starting to see a little bit more of that um, dialogue, both in our sales conversations as well as our customer conversations, because people realize just how much of a cost savings it is to actually proactively train your customers as opposed to waiting for them to... Um, come to you with a problem. Yeah. Um, let's see. Another hot topic. I think certifications as well as virtual labs are both pretty hot right now. Um, I feel like Connect might have been part of the certifications well, uh, a, frenzy a, going well, on. And on I was the on the panel for that, yeah. where we were talking about it, and, and, and we're going. We're in the thick of certifications right now with looking at vendors and trying to figure out who integrates with Skilljar. Um, <laughs> but it's that's a hot topic in virtual labs, similarly so, because you know labs are, for, for a lot of products, very difficult to implement and costly. And yes. you, want, you want a customer, for, for example, uh, again, going back to my time at Gainsight, we built a training environment. And what I loved about what Salesforce could do is they had this environment hub where I could easily, and we automated this, Sandy, if you were to register for Gainsight, training, mm -hmm. what you would get is an automated email that would send you a link and a login to a development org with Gainsight layered on top of it with a training harness of all the exercises that are in the training program. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, what? I've got, oh, and you're starting to do. And like the story I told you with the, the 
uh, the people that were coming in as a pre-sales activity, there was one person I had a conversation with who was nowhere near, like, they weren't a customer success manager, they didn't know anything about Gainsight, they said, to me, I, I called them and I said, hey, can I talk to you? Yeah. <laughs> why, are you why are you getting this certification in Gainsight? They said, well, I want to get a job in it, and I'm a student right now. When I graduate, I want to go work for such and such a company. And I'm like, oh, my dear goodness, that's amazing. And people do that. They reach out, and they're proactive, and they use that for career trajectory work. So important. It's yeah. a different flavor of certification that you don't often see. We've also had um, customers be able to start their own businesses because of what they've been able to learn through, um, through online training. So we have one of our very early customers um, – was only in person before using SkillJar, and and we power still their online, you know, video academy, and it's kind of like a CAD hardware software type yeah. of company, and it's targeted at the the jewelry industry, and so um, we know in that case there's some people that were able to take that and launch their own businesses making custom jewelry, which I thought was really cool. So that's super cool, and like an yeah. Etsy and things like that. There's a huge market for that kind of custom-made jewelry in a, you know, in a, a boutique home-type um, workshop. Mm-hmm. Well, that's super cool. Well, um, let's see. Well, let's, let's, let's pivot here. And I think we've done a lot of you've, – you've given us a lot of good stuff on what your customers are doing. And that's – I'm really interested because you have a, such a diversity of the kind of customers you have, which is novel for an LMS. You know, yeah, it's, it's isn't really it interesting? Cool. It's – it's so, and you can't predict from the outside sometimes what a company is like on the inside. You might be what we would consider a super old school company that's really progressive on training and the way to think about it. And the reverse, you might have some really like brand name tech companies and, you know, from a training perspective, they're very old school. So you just never know. It's interesting. fresh. Well, let's pivot here. Let's talk, I, the last subject that I'd like to ask you about is really talking at your level to someone else at your level, a CEO of a company. I mean, of course, there's a spectrum, a rainbow of different kinds of CEOs from a small startup all the way up to a massive organization. But Sandy, when you're talking with other C-levels uh, or even board members for that fact, um, what, are they ta- what are you talking with them about uh, with regards to customer education, and, and this whole field. Now, obviously, they're supporting you, and you're going through rounds of funding, and you're really making progress. So people are biting. What's what's going on to that, and and how do you talk with them about customer education? So I may be opinionated, <laughs> but I don't think there is a rainbow. I view it as very binary that CEOs, board members, investors, they either get it or they don't. And Either you get that customer is important or yeah. you don't. And it drives a lot of culture and behavior at, at different companies. Now, the conversation has changed a lot over the last three or four years, even between our seed and Series A. When we went out for our seed round, I can't even tell you how many times I had to explain what is the difference between SkillJar and Coursera, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think everybody on this Coursera is a, you know, target towards universities. It's a consumer uh-huh. site it's where MOOC. it's MOOC. It's it's not the same thing at all as a B2B platform that's, you know, helping customers, right. you know, companies train customers. And I got that question, too. of like, why would a company ever need to educate their customers? You really got that question? Yeah. I still get that question. 
Okay, I'm just Dave. You are, you know, bleeding edge. Just remember <laughs> that. <laughs> um, but I think it today, is today. We we should know, but okay, it is changing. I'll go along with it. So I will say, you know, in the innovative tech scene, um, you know, the conversation in between our seed and our Series A now, it's every single one of my companies and CEOs is talking about this problem, and every single one needs this. Yeah. So some of it's timing. I think it's partly a consequence of companies having gotten really good at sales and marketing over the last five years and outreach is part of that. And now they're playing catch up on the delivery and success side. Um, but I would say there's still a mindset shift happening around customer success broadly, including education, as an investment and not a cost. And this is where I feel that CEOs either get it or they don't. So, um, and your listeners, or you may not even know this, but the way financials are set up, every single dollar that goes into customer success eats into your margin. And mm -hmm. so if you're a public company or even a company that's thinking about going public, you're being evaluated on, you know, what are your margins and, you know, what's your profit? And so even for progressive companies, there's kind of a systematic bias for this kind of anti-services flavor and services being, whether it's monetized or not, being an investment in your customer base. So solutions still tend towards, you know, self-service or let the customer help themselves because Cheaper. it's a cost otherwise. <laughs> it's not an investment, it's a cost, but somehow sales and marketing and engineering are investments. So that's a mindset shift, which is the pervasive view on Wall Street and in the C-suite at right. large. And it is changing, but some this is where some people get it and some don't. Some people get that customer success is an investment no matter what the financials say. So, and if you think about CEOs or CFOs, um, you know, the questions are thinking of where should I invest X dollars to get Y return? And so, again, it's like companies understand investing in R&D to build a new product or improve a product. And they understand investing in sales and marketing to get a customer, but there's no financial structure to understand about investing in customer success. It just shows up as a cost. And so um, even you have to be really thinking long term because it looks it makes it look worse on your near term financials. So I would love one day for financials to be separated into new acquisition and then existing retention with separate sort of income <laughs> statements because in most organizations customer success is actually responsible for far more revenue than new biz. Oh, well, and that's because it's total lifetime revenue. You're, you're Even looking, on a yearly basis, I yeah. suspect that in many organizations customer success is responsible for as large of a book of business as new logo acquisition, but what is the investment being made in customer success as opposed to, you know, new? And I'm not saying companies shouldn't invest in, and we're obviously investing a lot in sales and marketing ourselves, but there is a like systematic flavor of like any dollar that you spend in CS is a cost. You know, you give me an idea. This was something Adam and I were talking at DevLearn, and we started talking about a funnel, you know, the marketing funnel. And we, we were thinking about that in terms of education. And one of the things that we're starting to really see, it takes a lot to invest to set up a customer education function, to do it really well and, and at a huge amount of scale. You can do it cheaply, but over time, when you invest that money, at some point it flips. And you're starting to say, okay, I have to build all the content. I have to, you're building, this is your product. I think that's, at least in my perspective, education is your product. It's not an add-on. It's not a nice-to-have. It is your product because it's all of the 
like we have at Outreach and Gainside and Azuqua, it was all transitioning this um, tribal knowledge into something structured and formal and for anybody to share. So it's taking your mind and putting it in pixels. And I think that's what is really hard to glom onto. I see, I, I'm very thankful that customer success has become a thing, but customer education, and I'm gonna say this again, this is Adam's quote, customer education is a scale engine for customer success. We're implicit, we are customer success. There's not really that much of a differentiator. And what we're, we're here to do is to drive that adoption and do things like you were saying, like, hey, I got a new admin for my product. And they came in and we already sold the deal. We, we had our pro serve engagement is done. Well, they can come along and get that training. Hey, I need to sell somebody more training because, hey, my customer added 300 seats. Well, what do I have to do? We'll go back to ProServe or we can just get them on on-demand training and do all that kind of stuff. So you have all these SKUs and offerings that we have in education that really support and accentuate what customer success can do and help to drive that revenue positive type yeah. of thing. I mean, on the consumer side, imagine getting, you know, buying a new gadget and not having like a manual or something. I mean, some people don't read the manuals, but like... Dive right in. I don't know. In <laughs> software, we can't expect to just like throw somebody a product and that they could use it you know, to its full potential. So, um, but I do think the financial setup is important when you think at scale, because like if there's actually a disincentive for companies to invest in this function from the way, you know, outsiders view your financials, that is challenging. Indeed. Okay, Sandy, this has been great. Let's start wrapping up. But before we do so, I, I always love to give our, our, uh, Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. I'll start up again. Um, we'll always like to have our guests tell a little bit about your your company, your org, where to find you, what do they need to know about your product and your services? Um, how can they connect, get in contact with you? So we're at skilljar.com. Um, sounds spelled the same way it sounds. You can reach me, Sandy, at skilljar.com. I spell my name with an I. Um, S-A-N-D-I, and I'm trying to be a little bit more active on Twitter and LinkedIn, so. Awesome. <laughs> but I can't guarantee that that I'll respond anytime soon on there. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, Sandy, for taking time out of your busy day to share your thoughts with us. This is, this is really meaningful, and I love having this level of conversation because it can go a lot of different ways and really helps our audience. Now, um, like you, we're super passionate about customer education and we're committed to connecting and growing this audience of leaders and also professionals that are actively working and to give people the ideas they need to understand the field. So with that, that's a wrap. Now, if you want to learn more, we have a podcast website at customer.education. Yep, it's simple as that. You can find our show notes and other material. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Dave Darrington, and you said you're at, at Sandy Eslin. Sandy Eslin on the Twitters, and you can also find you on LinkedIn and me as well. Special thanks to Alan Coda for our awesome theme music. And the last pitch I have to make to you, dear listeners. Now, if this helped you out, you can help us out by subscribing in your podcatcher of choice or leaving us a review on iTunes. Those two things really help expose our podcast to other people. And to our audience, thanks for joining us once again. Go out there, educate, experiment, and find your people. Thanks, everybody.